the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 20. Let's do this thing. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so they can feel secure about their family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing this great day? My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, man, I sure hope you're a real person, to build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner and educator and a wealth advisor. So what the heck is a family steward anyway. I start every show saying this is a show for successful family stewards. What is a family steward, you ask or I ask? or I know I talked about it early on because we now are in episode number 20. It just seems like Yesterday, I was learning how to record a podcast, edit a podcast, upload a podcast, trying to learn how to not sound like an idiot on the radio, but uh, here we are 20 episodes later. I'm still not sounding great, but I'm still working hard to deliver good content to all you great people, and thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening for a while, I appreciate all all of the support that you have given me by tuning into this podcast. If it's your first time listening, welcome aboard. So what is a family steward anyway? When I look at uh, Webster's Dictionary or dictionary.com, the definition is, at least the noun anyway, is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. And then the noun of stewardship, the responsibility overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving, such as property, financial affairs, an estate. And the verb of a steward is to, well, to act like a steward, which is to manage. My question to you is, are you a family steward? Are you the person who gets up every day to work hard for your family so that you can make money for your family and then so you can manage your money in a way that is going to preserve the family, preserve your financial affairs, preserve your property, preserve your estate, it's all of those decisions that you make, the decisions on what kind of insurance do I need, health insurance, car insurance, life insurance, disability, long-term care, and so on and so forth. And then how much should I be saving for retirement or how much, what kind of a loan should I have on my house, a 15-year, a 30-year, should I be investing more in my 401k or paying off my house, all of those decisions that keep coming 
over you, that cause you stress, that cause you anxiety, that causes confusion? Is that you? Because if that's you, if you are working hard for your family and you are in charge of making some or all of these decisions, well, you, my friend, are a family steward. And with being a family steward, it is such an incredible amount of responsibility, but it can bring such joy and accomplishment later on in life. And I'm telling you all this because the goal of this show, the family steward that feels stressed, the family steward that feels anxiety, and the family steward that feels confused, the goal of this show is to alleviate some of that stress, to alleviate some of that confusion, and to alleviate some of that anxiety. That is what the Best in Wealth podcast is all about. So hopefully, through these first 20 episodes, I have done at least maybe a little bit of a job alleviating some of that stress around all of these financial decisions that need to be made by us, by the family stewards, day in and day out. So we are on episode 20, but we're actually on a continuation of episode 19. Episode 19, I brought up a book that I was reviewing called The Investment Answer by Daniel Goldie and Gordon Murray. So if you are new to this show, I suggest you go back to episode number 19 and check out that show. You can go to bestandwealth.com and right there you'll find all of the episodes. Click on 19 and then click on play and give that a listen. Or if you're subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher, just go back to episode number 19 so that this episode can bring in a little more context of what we're talking about because I tried to lay the groundwork last week on what this book was all about and what is the investment answer. And the answer that I get from the book, we should be investors, not speculators. When we're speculating, we're gamblers. Let's be investors. Let's not be gamblers. And the question is going to be, yeah, I don't want to gamble. I mean, gambling is for, you know, a couple hundred bucks or 50 bucks or 20 bucks going to Las Vegas or going to the casino or buying some some Powerball tickets or something. That's gambling. That's giving your money away in hopes that potentially that you'll win something that day. And it's fun. It's enjoyment. Man, I love to gamble sometimes. I mean, we play Texas Hold'em at Christmas time with the relatives. Granted, you know, that's three or five dollars and that is gambling. And gambling can be fun. But here's what's not fun. When you're gambling on your retirement funds, and things start to go south, and you don't know why, and you don't have an explanation because you don't have an investment philosophy because you're a gambler, you're a speculator, and you don't even know it. 
And it's not your fault either because everybody's got a different opinion on all of these financial topics, investments, insurance, estate planning, all of that stuff people have different opinions on. And normally the opinions that the people have slant towards what's going to make them the most amount of money. That's why this whole system is so flawed. That's why the financial industry is among the least trusted industry in the world. People don't trust people in the financial industry like me. I get it. I understand why. But on the flip side of that coin is the family steward who's stressed, who's confused because they're getting all of this financial information and they don't know what to believe. And when you look at the studies, money is among the greatest stress of all Americans. Money. Yet they can't go to some financial person for some advice because they just seem to think that they're going to be sold something because more often than not, it's because they are. That's the great divide. In this book, The Investment Answer, there's no reason for the author of this book, at least one of the authors of this book, no reason to slant something in a direction because one of these authors only had a few months to live when he wrote the book, The Investment Answer. And the basis of this book leads me right into the topic of the day. Five Decisions every investor needs to make the do-it-yourself decision the asset allocation decision the diversification decision and the rebalancing decision if you can get these five down you are going to be on your road to investing success and you'll have confidence because you'll have an investment philosophy and people who have an investment philosophy more often than not have a successful investing experience. You are no longer a gambler. You are no longer a speculator. You are now an investor. So the first decision is the do-it-yourself decision. Am I going to do this myself or am I going to hire a professional? And this is a question that you need to answer internally. Do you have the skills to do it? And the elephant in the room right now is that I am an investment advisor for Fortress Planning Group. So I don't want you to think here that I'm trying to sway you in any direction. Because if you are a do-it-yourself investor and you have all the confidence and clarity, I say, go for it. I don't want to sway that end of the audience. I mean, I love the do-it-yourselfer when it comes to, you know, home projects and so on and so forth. In fact, I watched a YouTube video a couple months ago and I fixed my washer. It made me feel great. And people who want to do things themselves, it's because, well, they're saving money. They don't have to pay somebody like me to help them with their investments. I get that. I understand that because one of the things we need to do is lower our expenses. When we have low expenses, we often come out on top compared to people who have higher expenses. A lot of people do not have the skills or the inclination to do this. 
And some professionals have tools and resources that are superior than what's available just on the internet. You know, when I say tools, I mean to effectively put together an efficient portfolio that's properly diversified, minimizes fees and taxes, and avoids overlapping asset classes. You know, those are the tools that I'm talking about. If you're doing it by yourself, though, what you really need to watch out for is yourself. Because you and your emotions are what need to be under control. Our natural instincts run counterintuitive to a good investing experience. So you have to watch out for all of these biases that exist out there in the world. Biases such as overconfidence, attraction to high prices, herd mentality, fear of regret, and affinity traps. So this is why the authors suggest you work with a professional. And one of these authors could have said whatever he wanted to about this or any other decision. And it wouldn't have impacted his life because he only had a couple of more months to live. He wanted to get the truth out. And he said, you're better off working with the professional. But I know that do-it-yourselfers are anchored down to a position. So if that's going to be you, let's make sure these other four decisions are right on track. And for those who feel like they need a little extra help, and it's hard to be objective about your own money, that you want a professional, make sure you look for this, a completely fee-only, a completely independent, registered investment advisor. A registered investment advisor is someone who falls, or a company that falls under the fiduciary standard. They are under the law. They have to act in your best interest. If you're working with a broker-dealer, then all bets are off. They fall under the suitability standard. And how do you know? Whoever you're talking to, just ask them. Are you a registered representative? If they are, they're a broker-dealer. Or are you an investment advisor representative? And the book goes on to to show that some broker-dealers are wearing two hats. And that means some of the time you're talking to them, they fall under the suitability standard. They don't need to act in your best interest. Other times during the conversation, depending on the topic you're talking about, then they fall under the fiduciary standard. That's why you're better off working with a pure company that's just a registered investment advisor. And that particular person is just an investment advisor representative. The other thing you want to make sure is that you want to know how this person is getting paid. That's why I mentioned work with somebody who's fee only. That means that they're not under any circumstances ever collecting commissions. And boy, do I know because I used to work for commissions for 15 years when I was in the wireless industry. And even though you have every inclination to get the solution for the customer that's in their best interest, you get swayed a little bit by the commissions. Because that quick paycheck makes you want to just try and rationalize talking somebody into something, okay? Fee only. There's other things you want to look for, too, when you're looking to hire somebody. Make sure your investment philosophies line up. And the book goes on to say, make sure you have a personal connection and trust with who you're working for. Make sure that this particular person has good professional qualifications. There's literally, literally an alphabet soup of letters after people's names now. The gold standards in the investment 
investment community, the investment world, the financial industry are the CPA, the Certified Public Accountant, the CFA, the Certified Financial Analyst, and the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner. Seek out one of these designations and ask the potential advisor you're interviewing, ask for their educational background, their experience, and finally ask what type of clients they work with because you want to work with a firm that works with people like you because those are the experts in your unique financial circumstances. All right, once you made that decision, will you go on to the next step? That's the asset allocation decision. How much of my money is going to be in stocks, bonds, and cash? If you're working with a professional, that professional should take three things into consideration when they figure out what your asset allocation should be. That's your emotional risk tolerance, your risk capacity, and your goals. You stir all those together to come up with the proper allocation for that individual. If you don't have all these tools and you're a do-it-yourselfer, There's a couple of different rules of thumb that people use that can help get you an idea of your asset allocation. Some people say take 120, subtract your age, and that's how much should be in stocks. The rest should be in bonds and cash in your allocation. So some say 120 minus your age. Other more conservative folks say take 100 minus your age, and that should be your allocation in stocks. That is your asset allocation decision. All right, I've made my first decision. I've made my second decision. Or I have a professional helping me with that second decision. My third is the diversification decision. It's extremely important to get this right. And we use tenets of modern portfolio theory says and shows us that the more diversified we are within companies and asset classes and countries, the lower our risk of the overall portfolio. So for example, clients of mine are diversified in 12,000 different companies spread over 45 different countries and 13 major asset classes. And it's determined by which companies I'm in or in your allocation should be proportionate to that country's economy. So, for example, clients of mine that are spread over 45 different countries, you know, 65% or so of that is in the United States. The other 30% or so, a little more, spread over the other countries. Some countries, maybe there's only a half a percent in the allocation. But now we're spread out over countries. We're spread out over companies. And finally, spread out over asset classes. And we make sure that we capture the premiums that exist in this market that we've talked about before, the small, the value, the profitability. So we make sure that we're in asset classes such as large cap, large cap value, small cap, small cap value in real estate, all of that in the United States. Then we replicate that in the developed countries and we replicate that in the emerging countries. Now we are diversified over companies asset classes, and countries, all to reduce the overall risk in our portfolio, which will boost returns. That's the diversification decision. Folks that are not diversified like this start to veer on the spectrum of gambling. The portfolios that are concentrated 
in just some countries and some companies are at risk of higher volatility in their portfolio. And when there's higher volatility in the portfolio, two things happen. You don't make as much money and there's more of a chance that you're going to get out of the stock market because your stomach can't handle the volatility. It's like a roller coaster ride. There are roller coasters that Scott Wellens can handle. Now, they might be in the children's section of the amusement park because I'm not good with roller coasters at all. Because that is my risk tolerance. I can't handle a lot of risk when it comes to roller coasters. My wife, she wants to go on the craziest, highest roller coaster with the most loops and the most up and downs that make me want to throw up. Her risk tolerance is way higher when it comes to roller coasters. If you put me on one of those roller coasters that my wife likes to go on, I might just jump right out because I can't handle the risk. I don't want you to jump out at the least opportune time where you end up losing a whole bunch of money. All right, we got asset allocation. We got the do-it-yourself or hire a professional. We got the diversification decision. We are getting so close on our portfolios. The next, I think, is the most important. I shouldn't say most important, but it's extremely important. The active versus passive decision. Are you going to look for mutual funds that, that are actively managed by mutual fund managers? Or are you going to take a passive approach and either use index funds or asset class funds? We talk over and over on this show how active investing just doesn't win in the long run. Sure, you could get lucky and find a fund that's going to beat an index. Some do every year. But the longer our portfolios exist, the greater the chance that active doesn't beat passive. So let's exclude all of the activeness going on in the world because when we can compartmentalize all of that that takes out a huge part of the investment industry that just doesn't add value to people like us and we don't have to worry about that anymore we'll let them do their thing because we know the research and the research suggests that active management loses and sometimes loses considerably in the long run. And these are long-term portfolios. So the authors of this book say it's a no-brainer. Of course, we choose passive. And the authors of the book will say within the passive that they like asset class funds over index funds. So we got the four down. The last is just the rebalancing decision. When do you rebalance and how often do you rebalance? If you're in a 401k fund right now, you may be able to click a button that will rebalance your, your, your funds on a weekly or quarterly basis, some of them a yearly basis. The key here, though, is to rebalance when it's time to rebalance. Rebalance strategically so that it doesn't cost a lot of money to rebalance. Now, if you're doing it yourself, set it up on automatic. Rebalance once a year because that's better than nothing. If you're working with a professional, make sure and ask if they're doing strategic rebalancing. And that's a flexible approach to look at your portfolio every quarter and only rebalance if it's necessary to rebalance. If if the certain asset class falls out of range of, say, 5%, then we're going to rebalance. Instead of doing it every quarter or year where those costs add up to hundreds of dollars. And that's it. Five decisions. Just five decisions. 
to review. This is what the authors will tell you to do on these five decisions. On the do-it-yourself decision, you're better off with a professional, but make sure it's the right one. On the asset allocation decision, make sure that you are considering your emotional risk tolerance, your risk capacity, and your goals. On the diversification decision, make sure that you are extremely diversified in countries and asset classes and companies. Take a passive approach because in the long run, passive beats active. And finally, rebalance in a flexible approach so that you can save money instead of a fixed, stringent rebalancing. That is it. You all, call me or email me if you have questions at all about any of this stuff. Scott at bestandwealth.com. And if you like this show, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Go to bestandwealth.com to listen to the podcast there. And reach out to me if you have a question about this or any other episode. Until next time, I will see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye. and Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best and Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.